electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Oil CEOs go to Washington. What do you think they could actually say in this moment? On either side. The White House running low on options to ease pain at the pump. And with little support for a gas tax holiday, they're talking right to the producers. Energy envoy Amos Hochstein. Oil production under the Biden administration is actually at a higher rate than it's been under uh, our predecessor and previous president. To your health, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, former FDA chief on the push to regulate nicotine, and is another COVID surge out of the cards. I think the bottom line is we have a lot of immunity in our population, and this is becoming less impactful with each round of these new variants. Plus, it's so meta. Zuckerberg and the billions who may soon be living in a meta world. Have you done it yet? Ask me if I've bought something online. Let's start with that. You know, it actually is amazing. It's Thursday, June 23rd, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back, you buy in three, two, one, kill three. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Yay. Everybody's back together. Back Good to see vacation. everybody. Nice to see everybody. It is. Um, spitballs. Throwing we spitballs want. at we each other? We could yeah. from here because we're uh, probably miss, but... Hmm. Let's talk gasoline prices because they're easing back from last week's record highs. According to AAA, the national average for a gallon of gas is now $4.94. Just 14 states are now above or averaging above $5 per gallon. That's down from 22 states just a week ago. Now, yesterday, President Biden's proposing that three-month holiday for the 18-cent tax on a gallon of gasoline and the 24-cent tax on a gallon of diesel. I fully understand that a gas tax holiday alone is not going to fix the problem, but it will provide families some immediate relief, just a little bit of breathing room as we continue working to bring down prices for the long haul. Meantime, some new details about a meeting between Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm and seven oil and gas executives. CNBC now can confirm that the meeting will be held at the Department of Energy headquarters in D.C. It's going to start this morning at about 11.15 Eastern time. It's expected to last just 45 minutes. In attendance will be the CEOs and executives from the seven companies President Biden sent letters to last week about adding refining capacity. That includes Exxon, Chevron, Shell, Valero, Marathon Petroleum, Phillips 66, and BP. Now, the Energy Secretary expected to press the group on why they are not refining more gasoline or producing more oil. Sources telling CNBC the CEOs may argue that refineries are already running above 90% capacity and asking them to produce more could pose a safety risk by overburdening those facilities and crew. We'll see whether they make that argument. They may also bring up this, that the administration has repeatedly told their industry that it will be phased out over time is now being asked to produce more fossil fuels and um, asked to square that circle. It's going to be about a 45-minute meeting from 11.15 to noon, which doesn't seem like a whole lot of time to be able to sit down and have a productive conversation about things that might actually be able to be done. It sounds like it's more of a scolding, do this. Um, 
and and then on your way. Um, and, and but isn't a this a photo op? I mean, I assume they'll do a 15-minute spray at the a beginning. What they call a right? No, it's a photo op that you don't want to be in. That, that the president doesn't want to be in either. This is just right. Jennifer Granholm. The president is not expected to come by. Um, a little bit of a mess, and you don't want to be left out either. Left out of that group? I'm not one of the big seven. Yeah, exactly. You got seven major oil companies. It's like, what about number eight? He's like, you know. I, but you're right. You probably don't want to be there. But you might want to be. You know, it, it happens with us at certain times. It's like, oh my God, what's the good news? The good news, you got to go to meet. Well, what was the bad news? Well, you weren't invited. But what do you think they could actually say? Nothing. In this moment, either, on either side. On either side. I mean, on either side. When, Andrew, when you lose the Washington Post, I mean... No, no, but... but no, here, Biden it, planned to halt gas tax SU believers. I mean, it's, this is not... Right, it's so, not going to pass. It's not going to work. There's no reason sure, to do it. But the question is, what would you do? Um, what would you do? That's the... Pro but I think you just said term, it. I, Near I, term. I, I'm I not would, playing long term. I would do Superman, and I'd fly around the globe like this to where you can go reverse time and I'd go back to where they decided to tell me when to shut down production and I'd reverse right, that. Right, but that's, that's impossible. I've seen it done. Look, in the movies, um, it's, it's complicated. There's not anything you can do in the short haul on this, but the, and by the way, if you listen to Mike Worth at Chevron, they're already doing what they can. They are, they are raising capital expenditures at Chevron by more you than 50%. You know what's going to do? People are going to stop. To, it's, start, it's starting to happen already. I, I, I'm actually getting a little fatigued with the, the tribalism of the two sides, pointing fingers and saying who's at fault and what do we do and how do we, it's a long-term solution. Right, it's going so to it's gonna be different. Right. So at this point, it, it, I think it gets, I mean, I did fill up a couple of times and it is really expensive and I'm lucky, we're all lucky because we, it's, it's not something we have to choose between gas and food, but some people do. And I think the cure for high prices is both supply and, and demand destruction. Jim Cramer interviewed Mark Zuckerberg last night on Mad Money. They spoke about Meta Platform's focus on building the metaverse. In order to really deliver these experiences over the next several years, we kind of feel like we need to develop, the, we need to build the whole stack, right? Go from, from the hardware um, all the way up to the software and then a bunch of the experiences on top of that. So we're going to do that. And that's a, it's a big focus for us. You know, we, we are at this point, you know, a company that can afford to make um, some big long-term research investments. Our North Star is that you know, by the end of the decade, we hope to basically get to around a billion people in the metaverse doing hundreds of, of dollars of commerce each. I think that there's going to be a massive economy around this. In the meantime, though, the investors have cut the company's market cap in half this year as growth has slowed and its number of daily active users declined sequentially for the first time between the last two, uh, between the last two quarters. Mark Zuckerberg addressed the potential for a recession and how that might actually impact shorter term AI investments. We're making big investments in this, and you know we're going to keep on doing that. Um, you know, obviously we'll, we'll modulate it a bit if there's a recession, but we're going to keep on investing pretty heavily in this. I'd actually like to see Jim and Mark Zuckerberg in the metaverse because they also hung out there, did little. They did. <laughs> it's, okay. Okay. You keep your you keep your controllers. All right. I'll give you a high five. No, but you understand. Hands. Gas prices go way down in the metaverse if you. Yeah. If you never move. Yeah. You never physically. Yeah. Move. Sure. But I don't think that's it what's going to... It costs a lot to power your, all the things you're doing. Oh, in, very, the, elect, the electricity? No, bandwidth. but I think it's going to create... It's going to be... Look, I've t have you ever been in it? Have you done it yet? Have you, have you played with it? You haven't really done it. Ask me if I've bought something online. No, no. Let's start it's, with that. You know, it actually is amazing. Like, you, you, when you, if you go into an, what's called a horizon room, which they make... Do you have an avatar? You have an avatar, and you could talk to somebody in, in a meeting room, and they're in Hong Kong, and you're here. 
and it's pretty incredible. But how and you that, can see you can see like what Zoom. it feels like. How, do, how is way better than Zoom? See, I, what I just the saw, emotions we never figured out. I would rather see him speaking to me. The face emotional to face. connection that you will get being in the room with Mark or being in the room. If you and I were in the room. You would just feel like you're in the room with him. In a in completely different way. I can't. Does it pick up the emotions on yes. his face? Because I like it's to not, see somebody's yes. face. Yes. No, no, to trust me. It, you will see more. I think ultimately you'll see more. It's still a clue. More gene. emotion, meaning they're like making it's, it up? No. I don't more want to exaggerate that, no, no, anything. More in that you'll, you, you feel like you're there. I mean, it's, it's a kind of crazy situation. But you can't actually be there on Zoom except you got crappy lighting because after three years, people still don't know how to look good on a Zoom call. Look, it's not. I wouldn't say it's ready for prime time, but I will say if you just experiment with it. A ring light. If you experiment with it, you will think, you will say, I can see what this could be. Meaning that it's going to replace conferences, it's going to replace travel, that you're not going to do business travel, you're not going to do family vacations. Where where does this come in? I I, I I see it across the board. I think there's going to be certain types of conferences you won't go to, certain types of meetings you won't go to. But um, I already do that with Zoom. There's no, no, already certain But, but at, 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 at another to. level. There, I also think it will, by the way, create some level of, I don't know if you want to call it inequality. I think there will be times where, you know, uh, the wealthiest among us will go on uh, actual trips. You'll, you'll go visit Costa Rica. You'll visit Australia. You'll visit Europe. And there'll be other people, and this is where the opportunity lies, there'll be people who can't afford to make those trips who will actually sit in their living room and be on those trips. I kid you not. I know you're looking at me like this is, but is it completely look like this, crazy. this cartoonish? <laughs> well, you, you haven't changed. You're, we're in, like, Kyoto. Yeah, we're in a Zen garden. Well, Mark, you're, this is your, this is your, your world. No, no, no. So this, this is why, what I'm saying, this is just the beginning of this. This is Once the very- it looks more realistic. Very, very early. But even this, I, when you're in it, and I, I know it's so crazy to say it, when you're in it, you actually feel it in a way that's sort of, it's very hard to articulate. You have to almost try it. I, just, just saying. I'm back to Wally. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, and, and I'm when, long pharmaceuticals that make diabetes And when you're in it, all of a sudden you realize or understand, at least now I understand why my children would say, oh yeah, I would buy a cool photo or picture, maybe it's an NFT that's going to sit behind me in my office because I want my office to look cool, and maybe I'll have a pair of digital Jordans that are a limited edition so people can see me well, in my... yeah, because if saying, all your friends are there, they're going to make fun of you if you don't have your... And so I, you can, once you're in this, you start to see how these things could happen. So does that sound realistic to you? Ten years from now, within a decade, there will be a billion people in the metaverse who will be each spending hundreds of not, dollars on goods n- and Maybe not a billion, but, but a lot. By the way, do you remember uh, Glenn Hutchins? You weren't in, you weren't in uh, Davos, but, but Glenn Hutchins, I think he came and talked about it. He was, he was in Davos, and he wanted to watch the Celtics game. Hey, Glenn, how's your Davos? You know, it's, it's the only problem is it's during the playoffs. So I'm missing, staying up late. Yeah, 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 or I'm missing the games, you know. Think about when you could wear an Oculus and watch the game a little bit. as if you're in the front row. And he obviously watched it on TV. There will be a time where you could either go to the arena and sit in the arena and pay for the tickets, or you could sit in the front row, literally the front row, turn your head and watch the game from Davos, Switzerland, people, or Hong Kong. But sitting next to the people who are actually in the front you row. You might be sitting, sitting next, next to the people, the the people who are actually in the front row, or you might be sitting in some kind of digital version of it, but it won't matter because you'll be literally there. I, I, I can see a case for it. My question is... And then there's a question of how those tickets get priced. Well, do do investors believe in this investment now over the long run? They're skeptical at this point, as you can see from the the stock prices To me, the question is whether Meta is the the winner of this, whether there's somebody else that emerges, whether there's lots of different people emerge. That, to me, is the larger question. But conceptually, 
I would be much longer on this future than I would, for example, dare I say it, on Bitcoin. See, I, 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 that's where I differ. I was, I was actually going to say that. So you, you don't believe in Bitcoin, but you believe in this. That's crazy. I think that this, the, the, I think we will all be living in this in a much more meaningful you way in our life said, 10 can, years from should now. Should I buy, who makes the leading type 2 diabetes medicine? Because we're all going to be just this fat people just sitting there doing this, not moving. Get on your metformin now. So it's ready player one, everybody on the way. But it's I, not going to take over know. your life. By the way, when you're in, these, in the system today, you don't actually want to live in there for more than about, I'd say, 45 minutes to an hour. There's a feeling that's a little this bit stuff, of a, I've done it before, a claustrophobic little, feeling. I've, well, it's claustrophobic, and I've also gotten a little motion some, sickness right. when I've done But I think over time, as Davos. the technology gets better, you might be able to stay in there for two hours, two and a half. But it's not like, again, you're not going to sit in this digital universe for 12 hours at a time. I mean, there are people who play games who may do that. Just, there's, there's smells and sights and sounds and feelings, not, and none of this, way, none of this does again, it. Again, I want to, you can still so live your You gotta life. have like, if it's raining, you're gonna have like, you, you got a little, better, two little nozzles that spray mist at you or something? This is crap, Think Andrew, about all the people who are sitting in, Hold on. Think about all the people who are either sitting, work from home right now, who have a terrible experience, or are sitting in a conference room somewhere trying to do Zoom calls. There's no That's way, a terrible experience, Andrew, there's too. No way this rich is people, there's no way rich people are going to Australia and less people are going to put on goggles and pay money and say, I'm in Australia. That's not... A hundred percent. You really 100%. think so? You will travel to Australia... Wait a minute. On. And people are going to have phones that are like computers someday? Yes, That's not. That's how it's going to Why happen. would anyone need their I, own I computer? I will say, though, the Avatar stuff, Remember they started pitching that. back in the 1990s, the whole idea of the Avatar. Because I, I, when I still worked in the take, City, City, And City, I wanted, you've, you've no, taken your, I wanted your avatar. You've, you've already that's spoken for? You, oh, my avatar? Yeah, I was gonna. I wanted your avatar. You You're should gonna, go out and buy it. I don't know, where, I don't know who's selling You're it. Gonna, but, and I don't know how much they're pricing that. To see video of Jim Cramer and Mark Zuckerberg hanging in the metaverse, head to CNBC.com. Cheese will be next. And after this break, news about airlines cutting service to smaller cities gives us more to ponder about the logistics of the metaverse. We leave the set to relieve ourselves. Yes. In the metaverse, what does that look like? It's a diaper, right? You're not living in the metaverse 24 hours a day. Plus, the back and forth between the White House and leaders of the oil industry. Amos Hochstein, known as the administration's energy whisperer, joins us. So you have to manage this transition knowing that you want to make the investments over the next 10, 15 years of supply and making sure that you're accelerating the transition to a cleaner future. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. 
This is Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. New details about a meeting between Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm and oil executives. CNBC can confirm that the meeting will be held at the Department of Energy headquarters uh, in D.C. It will start at 11.15 a.m. Eastern. It is expected to last just 45 minutes. In attendance will be CEOs and executives from the seven companies President Biden sent those letters to last week about uh, adding refining capacity. Uh, like Exxon, Chevron, Shell, Valero, Marathon Petroleum, Phillips 66, and BP. Join us now to discuss the president's energy policy. Amos Hochstein, presidential uh, coordinator for Energy Secretary. Uh, it's good to do, uh, uh, energy security, excuse me, uh, Amos. It's good to have you on uh, this morning. Do you think at this point that that there's a way of getting this gas tax holiday through Congress? You read the newspapers, I'm sure. It just it, it doesn't seem like the chances are that great. Well, first, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Look, we're, the president announced yesterday that he is calling on Congress to, uh, to enact a gas tax holiday just for three months uh, and to work with uh, governors from uh, all states to see if they can join that effort in and give a gas tax holiday or fees or rebates uh, from the from the taxes that the states have uh, on gasoline. And the president said he's willing to and open to working with Congress to get that passed. So I'll I'll let the uh, the days ahead see how that how that works out. Uh, but I think that the president you know really wants to give a little breathing room for American families at the at the pump as prices have gone up two dollars since the since you know the late fall early winter when the when the forces started amassing around Ukraine uh, and the risks started coming into the market. Uh, and then following that, of course, the invasion and then the sanctions and uh, the decline in, in Russian exports and Russian production, I should say. Uh, almost the, we go back and forth and it's, it's gotten very political in terms of what happened and, and how we got here. But, but one thing, uh, the journal has a piece and this is the last article. What the UN, U.S. oil and gas industry and American consumers need is a permanent regulatory holiday to increase domestic supply. Uh, anything else is just a holiday uh, from reality. Is is uh, is there? Is there <laughs> um, pretty 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 good line. Uh, it, it, and I, I I know President Obama cynically looked at, at uh, not having or having a gas tax holiday as kind of a gimmick as well. And, and cynical people would say it's just you know there's an election coming up in November. It just increases demand. Uh, you don't want to increase demand. If you're not increasing supply, that just adds to the pressure on, on prices. So logically, it's, it's hard to understand the rationale behind it, other than kind of a, um, a, an election play, a vote-getting play. You know, look, let, let's, let's be honest about where we are. We're, we're gone through a, a period of war uh, where the markets can go up $15, down $15 in a matter of three days, right? I mean, we're, we're in a very... The kind of volatility, oil markets have been volatile for a long time, but this is the kind of volatility that we haven't seen uh, before out in, in normal peace times. And when it comes to the production, look, the United States industry is right now producing at near record levels. We're going to surpass the record of the, that, very, uh, that very small window of time where we produced that record before the pan- just before the pandemic. We're going to reach that by the end of the year or in the first quarter of next year. So oil production under the Biden administration is actually at a higher rate than it's been under uh, our predecessor and previous presidents. We have given out 
the leases they need, and there's been no restrictions. There's no regulatory restrictions. There's nothing that's standing in the way of increasing oil production. But the issue is not just oil production. So anything anyone who says we're standing in the way of oil production increases is just baloney. There, there is plenty of uh, production coming on the market. The refining capacity has gone down because during the pandemic, uh, when nobody was driving, nobody was flying, uh, companies shut down a bunch of refineries. And some of them are gone. They're not coming back. They've been turned into terminals and other things. But some of them are idled and with investment can come back and bring back additional refining capacity, which would increase the supply of gasoline and diesel, which is the real problem. This is also not just an American issue. We're seeing soaring global prices. The price of natural gas in the United States is about $6 and change, while in Europe it's near 40. So we're, we are, we're still seeing uh, inflation of, of, of gas prices, of oil prices. But what we're trying to do is to say, look, we recognize that there's gonna be cost to the consumer for the president's position on Ukraine and standing up to Putin. But if we can give during the driving season uh, three months of a little bit of breathing room and between the federal tax and the state tax, that could be about 50 cents a gallon. And I know some people say that's not much, but I think there's a lot of American families that think and consumers that believe that's, that's a little bit of breathing room they would accept and, and support. So I think we can, we can afford it. And I think the president is trying to uh, not to, this is not, a gimmick is not lower prices for, for consumers. Uh, this, these are, these are different times, and we're, as I said before, this is a time of war. Some would say there's been a war on the fossil fuel industry since day one. Is this an overstatement? Since day one, President Biden has tried to limit fossil fuel supplies, and, and, and we're all paying for it. Do you dispute that, that, at least as far as rhetoric, we heard the president say, listen, listen to what I'm saying. I am going to put the fossil fuel business out of, industry, uh, out of business. That, that, that's a quote. I can show you the video. I can show you other quotes that were similar from a couple of years ago. I can show you members of Congress in the, in the Democratic Party uh, berating oil officials for not cutting production to the same extent uh, that it was cut over in Europe. None, none of those, if you were an oil executive, would you make long-term plans? Or if you were, uh, if you were in, in the capital raising industry on Wall Street, would you be ceding a lot of money to this industry that, that 10 years from now they, certain segments want to put out of business? Would you do that? I wouldn't make any long-term plans with refineries either. Joe, look, we're, the facts speak for themselves. There's been a steady increase of oil production uh, in the United States during the last year and a half, the last several months. Uh, we're going to see even more increase in production uh, in the coming months. Uh, we're trying to do two things at the same time. One is address the energy transition as it is, meaning that it's a transition and that we need to have the supplies right now, oil and gas, in order to make sure that the economy is functioning. But we also want to make sure that our investments are done in such a way that we can accelerate the transition to a, a cleaner world ahead. That means when the deployment of, of electric vehicles uh, really picks up by 2030, hopefully uh, we can get to 50% of new car sales by 2035. Uh, as you know, many of the companies, not the administration, many of the companies have said they will have 100% of their cars be electric vehicles sold. So you have to manage this transition knowing that you want to make the investments over the next 10, 15 years of supply and making sure that you're accelerating the transition to a cleaner future. And that's what we're doing. We're not pretending that we don't need the supplies today. And the president actually has been quite clear for the last year calling on 
uh, suppliers both in the United States and around the world to increase that supply. So arguing that we are the solution, the problems that we face in, at the pump, the high prices at the pump is a result of stopping the oil industry from doing what it needs to do, uh, I just, that just doesn't meet up with the facts. They're, they're increasing production. They have increased. And look at the levels of production that we're at. How can you say that we're, we're stopping anyone? They have all the tools they need. So I, I really don't understand that. May, they may not like the tone. Amos, you're, you're, you're right. We have seen many of the American companies increase production and refinering. Uh, uh, that's something Chevron's Mike Worth laid out the other day, just talking about how they had increased production. 2021 was the highest production they've ever seen in natural gas and oil. Um, but when you look at some of the overseas companies, like a BP, um, like some of the companies that operate in the UK, they have not done that. That's in part because in Europe they have things like windfall profit taxes. There's been talk here about a windfall profit tax on some of these companies. If you look at what it's done overseas, it has meant that they are not incentivized to spend more on additional production and refinering. Does that tell you it's a bad idea and something that we should not uh, pursue here? You know, Becky, you're right. We, we have seen some declines by some of the, major, the majors in Europe. Uh, I will add that I'm not sure that it reflects a decline in production overall. Uh, some companies like BP and Shell getting out of the, of the North Sea, uh, but other companies have taken those, those assets and have, are, are producing them, I think, at even higher levels than they were before. Uh, the windfall tax, look, that's something that has come up here as people have suggested it. Uh, we we always look at all uh, at options, but for now the president has has taken the steps that he has yesterday of focusing on trying to give a break at the pump for for consumers. Um, I, I, again, the 18 cents plus uh, if we can get the states to do it, uh, getting up to 50 cents. I think that's where we're focused right now uh, in trying to give that kind of relief uh, to consumers. Amos, well, in terms of price, what do you think is a politically palatable price? for a gallon of gasoline today for the American public? What do, what do you think you want to bring it to? Oh, uh, you know, that's a difficult question for me to answer. I, I can tell you that uh, what, the way we look at it right now is the prices have gone up $2 uh, since that time of the, when security risk, uh, international security risk started entering into the, into the calculation of, of the oil price uh, and, and demand from COVID. I think people forget that just a few months ago, what is it, about eight months ago, we were thinking about lockdowns uh, in, with Omicron uh, in November, December, and demand was suppressed. Uh, and since that time of the, the pre-invasion uh, and the growth, uh, the economic growth coming out of, of COVID and people going back to driving, the combination of those two and seeing these prices soar, I think $2 is a lot to increase for American consumers. And, and if you look at historically, these are not the highest price we've ever had. Uh, on an adjusted basis, but these are these are pretty high price, and we'd like to see them go go lower. But uh, I would add one thing. No, no, just to say that price of oil has actually come down something like fifteen dollars, ten to fifteen dollars over the last uh, week, ten days. And I'm also hopeful that we can see some of those reductions at the pump itself uh, and happen a little bit more quickly. But, but in terms of looking towards uh, November, or perhaps towards looking towards 2024, do you have to knock a, a buck? A gallon down, you got to knock two. Do you think, I mean, I'm sure you guys have had both economic but also political conversations about what this means. I, I'm Actually, we have not had a political conversation about what this means. Uh, honestly, I, I, we've had a lot of discussion about the price of gasoline, price of diesel, price of oil, 
and how do we get uh, lower prices. We haven't talked about it in the, in the political context. It's really about we're entering as July 4th uh, is upon us. Uh, we're looking at people really drive the driving season picking up and you know we all want to make sure that the price is a little bit lower during the summer. Uh, I, I haven't gotten to September yet, let alone uh, November. We've tried a lot, SPR, tried a lot, uh, almost. I don't know. They, they, they just keep coming back to the idea that increasing demand, you know, what cures uh, high prices are, are, look what the Fed's trying to do, try to reduce demand. So you don't cut the price to, to try to reduce demand. And um, I don't know, it's a, it's a tough spot to be in. For you, too, I think, trying to sell some of this stuff. But. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we appreciate you. We appreciate you coming on today. Uh, almost good, good to have you. American Airlines plans to drop service to several small U.S. cities this September, citing service cuts and a shortage of regional pilots. The four cities losing American service are Toledo, Ohio, Islip, New York, Ithaca, New York, and Dubuque, Iowa. This move by American is a similar one to industry peers Delta and United, which have each scaled back service between some smaller cities and their hubs, citing a lack of aviators, a lack of pilots. And Andrew, I have come around to your way of thinking in terms of the money that they have taken and how this was not planned or prepared for. I understand demand came back sharper than anticipated. A lot of industries have gotten hit with this from the retailers yep. and beyond, travel writ large. Um, but they need to find a way to do this quickly. And the reason they're cutting this off has to be because they are taking those regional pilots and moving them up very quickly, yep. which makes you wonder about how much training people are getting along Can the way. Can you imagine the state of the industry if they hadn't received It'd be a wreck. the counterfactual is, is much worse no, than, but where, I, I, than like where we are what right they're doing quickly. And part of the problem was they offered buyouts to all the pilots That's what to I mean. early retirement. Yeah. It seemed like the, the right thing. Pandemic uh, just threw a wrench in so many different. Things. Right. But the, uh, the issue that I've had, as you know, has been that we, we bailed them out in a very specific way that was different than all the other industries, and that the whole purpose of those bailouts was to keep people on the payroll. What they did, in fact, was to actually take people off the payroll, which put them in this position. The entire argument, and we had everybody from the airline CEOs to Sarah Nelson saying, give us this money, was to keep everybody on the payroll. And what they did to try to save cash, which I understood why they wanted to do it, but then don't ask for the bailout. By the way, there was also capital available from other, from, from the from the free market. We keep wanting them the next time be ready for something and be well, leaner and meaner. I'm, I'm to, you're either capitalist taking, or socialist on this. I'm not taking the bailout money, but they needed to be more prepared. And I, they should not have taken as many people off the payroll. It, like you should Murphy's borrow law, up and yeah. you should share some of the pain. And it should have been the federal government is going to give you, because it wasn't enough money to keep everybody on the payroll. That was the problem. But the federal government said, we will pay for this. You've got to do this. And then the way. question is, look at the, look at the profits that they're going to make, right? Yeah, but that's and, after getting killed. No, no. This is like it's the same like, thing as the like oil industry. About the oil I, don't, I, don't wanna, I don't wanna talk about the- And, the, and the, they're gonna the say record profits, profits and they're not record profits in the oil industry. Not but, even but the other thing is, this is probably going to start becoming an issue in Congress when you start cutting off small cities like this because Completely. that's when the congressional representatives are going to get very upset, not only about the fact that they can't get back and forth to home, but their constituents can't either. When you start having cities shut down like this and you only have a certain number of players, that's where you're gonna start to feel 100%. the real pushback and you can see that in the cities that some of the cities that chose. So we, uh, well, we won't be, you know, when we're all sitting at home vacationing in Costa Rica, we won't need any of these things. You left the set. We leave the set to relieve ourselves. Yes. In the metaverse, what does that look like? It's a diaper, right? Basically, it's a diaper. 
So you're not living in the metaverse. 24 so you just hours don't even have to go one and two. I mean, that, uh, I don't I, even know. You're you, I, see. This I don't is think way that, too much information. You know what for, I'm saying? I mean, me is that what else. is that what the metaverse is for for going to the bathroom? A diaper? I, I don't I, see. That's a world I don't, I don't want know. To live I, in. Steve Martin from I do know. <laughs> I do know that yeah. you know Formula One drivers, for example, wear diapers. They do, and I believe I that some of the people who play video games for countless hours may do the same thing. Well, the same thing happens. They, they used to have to change out all, all the seats at the slot machines in Atlantic City because I, I don't know. I'm just saying. What about New Year's Eve here? I've heard about that too. I don't know. You know, this is now moved to a different place. This conversation. Next on Squawk Pod, former FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb on the regulation of nicotine, which could lead to the possible banning of the popular e-cigarette Juul. I think the issue with the Juul device is whether or not the FDA is going to consider the legacy of youth addiction with that product and the fact that it was inappropriately marketed to children. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. The FDA is preparing to order Juul to pull its e-cigarettes off the market as early as this week. That's according to a report from The Wall Street Journal. This is coming after the Biden administration said Tuesday it plans to establish a, quote, maximum nicotine level for certain tobacco products by May of next year. One of our regulars, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, is the former head of the FDA, and he first announced a plan to regulate nicotine levels when he ran that agency in 2017. Here he is on Squawk Box at the time discussing how to make e-cigarettes safer. I think they need to go through an appropriate regulatory process, which is what we're doing. Part of this announcement was setting up that regulatory process, but I think they, they have the potential to be a safer alternative to combusting tobacco. And now, five years later, here's Joe. I'm torn here. As far as you know, people want to do what they want to do is one thing, but like nicotine, it doesn't even do anything for you. You just you, you're just sort of instilling an addiction that that you don't need in the first place. I mean, just get rid of it completely, I think. Is there anything anything good about nicotine consumption, doctor? Gives you a well, look, it's a legal substance. There's adults who want to enjoy satisfying levels of nicotine. The plan that we announced in the summer of 2017 was to reduce the level of nicotine in combustible cigarettes to minimally or non-addictive levels to make cigarettes, combustible cigarettes, less attractive. At the same time that we removed some of the flavors from the combustible tobacco, principally menthol, 
um, hope, with the hope that combustible tobacco could no longer uh, sustain addiction. And the plan was to try to open up avenues for non-combustible forms of nicotine delivery for adults who still wanted to enjoy satisfying levels of nicotine. So we created an effort to try to get more medicinal nicotine products onto the market, different formulations that could be more attractive to currently addicted adult smokers, but also put the, the electronic nicotine delivery systems like e-cigarettes through an appropriate series of regulatory gauge to make sure they were appropriately regulated. They weren't getting into the hands of kids and they offered an alternative to adults. Because remember, it's the products of combustion that cause all the death and disease from tobacco, not the nicotine itself. So you're in favor of what's happening now or, or are you, it's a step too far, bridge too far? Well, no, I, the plan, what they're doing right now is following the framework of what we put forward in the summer of 2017, but it was a multi-part plan to regulate nicotine and the combustible products, but open up avenues for the non-combustible products. They've done that. They've, they've authorized three different um, ENDS products, three different e-cigarettes, views from RJR and Joy, um, as well as Logic, which is the product from J Japan Tobacco. Jewel may be denied. I think the issue with the Jewel device is whether or not the FDA is going to consider the legacy of youth addiction with that product and the fact that it was inappropriately marketed to children uh, and became the fulcrum of the youth addiction crisis with vaping. Jewel's going to argue that 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 history shouldn't be included, shouldn't be incorporated into the FDA's consideration because it wasn't part of the application and FDA should only look at what's in the application. I suspect FDA is going to look beyond the application and look at the history of this product, and that's going to be a factor in how they weigh their decision. So if they do reject Juul, um, assuming it's not on some technical issue related to the application itself, the fitness of the application, and I suspect Altria got in a pretty complete application to the agency, then I would, my hunch would be that it would turn on the legacy associated with this particular product. I'm feeling a, an addiction to COVID discussions. Uh, I can't believe we're not talking about COVID. Is, is, it, is that a good thing? What, uh, I mean, we've, we've done it for two years. Whenever you're on, if I see Scott Gottlieb, uh, you're talking about, uh, about COVID. We're, we're seeing a rise in cases, but not serious cases. Is that it in a nutshell? I think the bottom line is we have a lot of immunity in our population, and this is becoming less impactful with each round of these new variants. That's certainly what we saw in South Africa. Now, it could go the other way. We could get a new variant that is more pathogenic, but what we've seen is these new versions of Omicron seem to be less pathogenic. There's some speculation that B4B5, which is this new variant that's building um, in prevalence right now is potentially worse than the B2 infection, but that certainly wasn't the experience in South Africa where they saw hospitalizations and severe disease come down a lot as they had their B4B5 wave. I think the big question right now is going to be how well do the vaccines work against these new variants? There's data out of South Africa that suggests that the uh, existing vaccines that we've deployed here in the U.S. work well against B4B5 when it comes to preventing severe disease and hospitalization not as well when it comes to preventing infection and transmission. But, you know, assuming that our, our first priority is to prevent people from getting very sick from this infection, it does seem like the existing vaccines and hopefully these new vaccines that are being formulated by both Moderna and Pfizer, the company I'm on the board of that's based on the B1 variant, will be protective against B4B5, at least insofar as it prevents symptomatic disease, severe disease, and hospitalization. Do you see a second wave of, of, of vaccine coming out, meaning one based on the B1, which, is ever, which has been studied now, and a second that would come out come winter? Well, there's going to be a meeting by the FDA at the end of June where this discussion is going to be held. And the question is going to be, do we pivot to the, um, the vaccines that have been formulated for the fall, which is based on this B1 variant, either a monovalent form or more likely a bivalent form. If you listen to some of the 
talk from federal officials, they seem to favor the bivalent form, which is a combination of the existing strain and the B1 strain. Or do we formulate new vaccines specifically on the B4, B5 variant? Um, you could do both. You could deploy the B1-based vaccines, which do seem to be based on the data that's been released so far. And Moderna put out some data yesterday, which do seem to be more effective against the Omicron lineage generally. And then have in your back pocket a vaccine specifically formulated against B4, B5, either as a second booster potentially, or something maybe you just deploy to specific populations that need the added protection, like elderly people, people who are immunocompromised. So I think those are the questions that the ADCOM is going to be weighing, the FDA's advisory committee is going to be weighing at the end of June. So we're going to have some insight into their thinking coming out of that meeting. All right. Next time you're on, we'll run, find out about China and, and whether, you know, what inning they're in. And it matters. It matters for, for the rest of the world in, in economic terms, as well as uh, it, obviously health concerns. But uh, they're making progress. No one's, no one's got any immunity. That's the problem. They're not making progress insofar as getting a good vaccine deployed there. It's going to be protective against these new variants. That's the podcast for today. Thank you for listening. And here's the part where I run through all the details. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. Please follow Squawk Pod on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Tweet us at Squawk CNBC. This is way too much information for, for me or anybody else. And come back. We'll meet you right here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.